Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of your favorite podcast, Film Seizure. We are here again, the three amigos, if you will. I am Jason Oliver, and we have Jeff Arbuckle. Hi, I am Jeff Arbuckle. This is going to be a very likable episode. <laughs> maybe our most likable episode uh, ever, Jeff. Maybe, maybe. And Chuck Moore. Coca-Cola lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> what's up everybody beautiful so uh if you haven't figured out from those obscure clues today's episode is the night no 1999 it's the 2014 episode jesus i'm having trouble it's the 2014 movie (laughs) frank (laughs) i feel like i had a little bit Um, of 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 a chris cv like breakdown there hey um also they could have just read what they clicked on jason oh shit yeah i forget they could do that i see it <laughs> yeah there's a little banner or, or maybe maybe we specifically only cater to people who don't know how to read that's and that's true. and or, that's or, why or, they or, listen to us or see yeah they don't just they don't see at all yeah no, they just don't yeah. see what we do for them they're yeah so they just have to just hope that what they click on is going to be good and usually it sucks like this is uh yeah i was gonna say this is about as awkward as some of the stuff in this movie (laughs) yeah yeah that's what i was going for right yeah yeah exactly um all right so the movie frank i I teased this last week uh this movie's got some really kind of wild um backstory history um it's it's sort of kind of but not really based on a character created by a real person so i have to kind of explain that i think um Uh, yeah because all characters are created by a real person no created created by a person by a character created by a real person like it's based on a character yes that is that was created by someone else gotcha all right this is what i meant right yeah so so the people who made this movie did not create the character of frank Character Frank was created by someone called Chris CV, named Chris CV back in the early 80s. Um, but the the character Frank in the movie isn't based on the character that Chris CV created. Just just a little bit. Like he, he's just sort of kind of created uh, based on the Frank. Well, he's Sidebottom inspired character. by. Yeah, he's inspired by. There you go. Um, so let, but let's go back to Chris CV and I'll do the quick, the quick rundown. Um, there's a, there's a really good documentary called being Frank about Chris Evie and Frank Sidebottom that I, I highly recommend. Uh, but for those who haven't seen it and want some context for this movie, whether you've seen the movie Frank or not, here you go. Uh, Chris Evie, um, is from England. He, um, him and his brother were kind of aspiring musicians, um, when they were in their twenties and, uh, like like many musical artists, uh, Chris CV was obsessed with the Beatles. Um, him and his brother decided they were going to go down to Apple Records and stage a sit-in, basically. <laughs> they weren't going to leave until they got a record contract. Um, and they actually got placated. Somebody said, fine, we'll record some tracks. Um, they gave them some, some nice words and patted them on their heads and sent them on their way. I said, you're not for us. But... Um, <laughs> But that was kind of enough for them to kind of keep going. And uh, but it eventually it never really went anywhere. And um, Chris's brother 
um, decided to move on. Um, but, but Chris just kept making music. He's one of those people who just, he, he will, he's constantly writing songs, right? Um, it's funny because I, I, we watched, our, Jeff and I watched Tick, Tick, Boom this year. And it's sort of like that, it's sort of like um, um, that guy's brain, right? Where Jonathan Larson, Jonathan Larson, where you can just create a song out of anything and you really can't help from creating songs. Well, that's Chris Evie. So he created a band called the Freshies in the late 70s. And late 70s music, like especially pop music or popular music in England in the late 70s was very dark, right? <laughs> especially the kind of post-punk in the late 70s was, was very dark, very gloomy stuff. And Chris Evie was like, well, fuck all that. I want to do something super poppy and happy and positive. And he called his band the Freshies, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's always kind of kind of going against the grain. And that's sort of why he never really hit because he was always just a little bit ahead of his time. The Freshies were not a popular band. They were looked at as very, very uncool in the scene. Uh, but, you know, if you go back and listen to their music, it's really good. It's really fun. It's really, um, it kind of reminds me of sort of like proto flaming lips in a lot of ways. Right. Um, very psychedelic, very um, just, weird right just wonky mm. kind of stuff that's that's really fun to listen to <clears throat> but just they just really didn't break, ever break through they had one big hit not a big hit not wasn't a big hit at all but um <laughs> <clears throat> but it was like 52 on the charts in england or something like that right in england that's yeah that's pretty low <laughs> yeah yeah it, it it didn't do so hot um but it actually it did you know get on some radars right and uh, I forget the name of it. It's something about like, I'm in love with the girl on the counter of the Virgin store, Virgin mega store checkout desk <laughs> is the name <laughs> of the song. It actually had a little bit of notoriety because they had a, they got cease and desisted from using the word Virgin um, and not by Virgin records, but by like the antitrust government regulation. Right. <laughs> so they had to change it to certain checkout desk, certain mega store checkout desk, but that was a song that almost kind of broke through, but it didn't. Uh, around this time, uh, Chris CV decided, well, I, I got I to gotta create more promotion around the band. So what he did was he created a character that would be the Freshies' biggest fan. And that was the birth of Frank. Frank is like a middle-aged aspiring pop singer who lives in his mother's basement, who, who um, is a huge fan of the Freshies. And he would do all these little... Um, like few minute videos of Frank in his adventures going to going to Freshies gigs, stuff like that, right? Really kind of funny stuff. Um, well, what ended up happening was Frank, the persona of Frank, kind of started to overshadow the music of Chris Seavey. And Frank became a character that people responded to. And he would do kind of like um, opening sets as Frank um, for Freshies shows. And nobody actually knew 100% that Chris Evie was Frank, but everybody kind of knew. It was like the worst kept secret, right? But he would do these, he would do these uh, warm-up sets and they were kind of like half comedic, half um, uh, uh, like cover sets of other popular songs. Like he would cover, he would cover popular songs in England at the time, but, but, but put a completely different tone on them <laughs> and make them really, really terrible, um, but funny. Uh, and he had a little puppet 
that he just cut out a cardboard named Little Frank who he would interact with. And it got to the point where Little Frank was more popular than Frank, who was more popular than Chris C.B. <laughs> and the Freshies. <laughs> this can't make this shit up, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, Frank ended up um, appearing on all sorts of kid shows in the 80s uh, and into the 90s, I believe, or maybe, maybe, um, yeah, I think, I think well into the 90s. He was still appearing on kid shows. Um, and eventually... Uh, Chris just kind of gave him up. He was like, you know what? I, there were a lot of people close to Chris th- thought that maybe he started to resent Frank um, because Frank was more popular, frankly, <laughs> than he was, <laughs> right? And uh, it, it, just, it just got to the point, too, where a lot of people didn't know where Chris ended and Frank began. But a lot of other people said, well, that's rubbish. It ended when he put you know, the difference was when he put the mask on, when he put the head on, he was Frank. When he didn't have the head on, he was Chris. Um, but anyway, but, but he, that's, um, I mean, that that's, uh, I mean, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, come on. It's like, <laughs> it's, come on. <laughs> but he, um, he, uh, he went in, he kind of retired Frank for a while and then decided to bring him back in the early 2000s for a five-year tour. He, he had this whole thing mapped out. And at the end of it, he was going to unveil himself on stage as Chris Seavey. And that was going to be the end of Frank, right? Um, but he ended up dying of heart failure or something like that before he could finish the, he called it the magic magical Timperley tour. Timperley is a village in England where Frank is from. Um, but he passed away. Uh, he actually, <clears throat> he was really sad. He didn't have any money. He was completely broke when he passed away. There was a Kickstarter that was created to to pay for his funeral that raised something like 25,000 pounds or something from, from fans. And um, there's a statue of him in Timberley as well now, which is pretty cool. Uh, there's like a life-size bronze Frank statue with, with the with the actual Frank head then on top of it. So it's, it's, it's really badass. It's like the <laughs> colored sort of paper mache looking head on a bronze body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at it right now. It's, uh, it's phenomenal. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like this just hanging out by the street too. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he would do tours. He would do tours of temporally. So you could just show up on certain dates and times and pay for a tour of Temperley, uh, England with Frank Sidebottom. <laughs> <laughs> People would honk their horns and wave at him on this, on, from the street. So good. But, um, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's kind of like the quick backstory. Um, now, where the movie kind of comes into play is there's what the writer of the movie, John Ronson. He was in Frank Sidebottom's band. So after the Freshies sort of disbanded and Frank Sidebottom's band started, um, some of the some of the members of the Freshies were in that, but also they added John Ronson. Um, he played keyboards, I believe. So he's he's very much the um, the uh, Domhnall Gleeson character in Frank is John Ronson. Uh, he wrote an article about his his time in the band and his time spent with Frank. John Ronson is kind of a Gonzo journalist. He's um, he wrote the um, Ministeric Goats book that was then turned into a movie about um, MK Ultra and all that wacky stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
he he's done a lot of little uh documentary films and, and things as well but um he he wrote the movie frank uh kind of based on his experiences with frank but also um he based the character frank in his movie not on just frank sidebottom but on daniel johnston the um the american indie folk singer whatever you want to call daniel johnston songwriter from the early 90s through to almost present day and then um captain beefheart so he he created this amalgam of those three personas and put it into the frank character of the movie um I, I promised a Kubrick connection with um, this as well to Chuck. Uh, it's it's very, very loose. Uh, it's John Ronson is the actual connection. It's not a Frank connection. Um, but this is interesting to me. Uh, John Ronson, he made a small documentary about the Holocaust um, that no one saw. And he got a, a letter once from Stanley Kubrick asking for a copy of it. And he was like, what the hell? How does how does how does Stanley Kubrick even know about this, right? Because at the time, I think Stanley Kubrick was still researching his um, Holocaust movie that he never made. And um, John Ronson, I guess Kubrick passed away before John could ever get it to him or something. But um, but when he reached out about it, the, the estate was was like, oh yeah, yeah, um, or maybe he did get it to him. I can't remember exactly the story there, but it created a kind of a relationship between John Ronson and the Kubrick estate. And it gave John the opportunity to go in and look at all of the archives that Stanley Kubrick had. So if you know about his research archives, they're just warehouses of boxes of stuff. And that then inspired John Ronson to make the short documentary film, Stanley Kubrick's boxes. Hmm. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. Connection established. Yes, indeed. So, that I think brings us up to date with the movie. Is there anything about the backstory of Frank Sidebottom or Chris CV that you guys know that you want to add to that? Or are we good to kind of jump into the film? I'm good. Um, I, I know nothing of any of that. So, okay. You know, I'm just here for this weirdo movie. (laughs) I think that was a good uh, summary of, of it for sure. Now, now I will admit, I'm going to admit something here. I was very scared that I was going (laughs) to not like this movie because, Jason, you are obsessed with this, it seemed, especially because you started talking about it a week ago. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Hold your horses here, pal. It's like, I I don't know. I don't know nothing about nothing. And you're like, well, you can watch this or you can watch that or you can read about it here. I'm like, I ain't doing none of that. (laughs) I, um, but I will say that I watched when I watched this movie, I loved it. Everything about love. it. He said, "Love Chuck." That he, yeah, he went from really, 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 really liked this movie to I love, love this movie. Wow, wow, <laughs> I, I'm, that's that's awesome. Um, yeah. I I didn't know anything about Frank Sidebottom when I saw this movie the first time. I saw it when it I think when it first kind of hit the the VOD outlets, right when it came out um back in 2014 and i know chuck did, was the same i i, I want to say maybe i watched it and i was like chuck you have to see this movie and then chuck watched it and then we both were like obsessed with it for a year yeah pretty much um, is that about right 
Yep. And I, think I definitely I, I, watched it on your recommendation. And I think it was put onto my radar by, by our friend Shannon, which should surprise no one who knows Shannon. Right. Um, None of this surprises me in anything. And it probably doesn't surprise you that I was like, what? What is this? <laughs> what the fuck is this big giant head guy thing that yeah. you keep posting about? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it became memes and stuff. Um, all right. Before I, before we get really into this, Dom Nall Gleason, is the H silent? I just call him I Dom. Would, I would, yeah. No, Dom. Just call him Dom. Uh, just call right. him Dom. Yeah. Okay. Dom, Dominic um, Toretto Gleason. <laughs> he's, he's Jacob Cronus. <laughs> well, they are in this movie. That's I made true, a note of it. They are. <laughs> Oh god! It's like oh um, shit! They're passing out Coronas. <laughs> I, I will. I will say that the backstory for this movie confused me when I learned about it because I, I did think it was more autobiographical or biographical, I should say, than it than it really is. And I think that's an important distinction: is like the character, the look of the character, and some of the the aspects of the musicianship is very much Chris Seavey. And Frank Sidebottom, but the movie is in no way, shape, or form about Chris Seavey, um, the person, right? No, there um, are some it, scenes by John Ronson that are his experiences, but elevated right. beyond what actually happened. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get into it. I mean, the John Ronson, you know, John Burroughs character played by Don Gleason is 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 kind of our window into the movie, right? Um, that's our protagonist. Um, there's an interesting, I think, story flip that happens with our protagonist later in the movie. Um, but um, but that's kind of who we follow. He's the sort of every man. He's someone who I very much relate to in this movie. Like this person who wants so badly to be creative, but is just bad at creating. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The lady in the red coat song was pretty great. It, it's... <laughs> It's a thumbs up for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> just need a little bit more there. Um, I think a lot of maybe people who aspire to be creative are a lot like John. Yeah. Like I even wrote a song once on guitar and then I was like, oh shit, this is I Got It by Pearl Jam. Like <laughs> I wrote a song that already existed and I was very happy with myself until I realized what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is very much Tom. Um, there is a scene where he's he's kind of put on the spot to, to um, play his music, play his songs for Frank and the rest of Frank's band. And he's just completely out of his depth. And at one point he, he starts playing one of Frank's songs. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is important because this first scene is kind of like a mirror, right? The, 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 the end very much reflects the beginning, at least a part of it. He's trying to write songs about everything he sees. Right he's watching waves roll yeah. in and he starts singing. He sees kids building sand castles and every one of his songs is very literal to what is happening. He can't make the jump into giving it a more meaningful. I don't know how to explain this. Well, he I'm can't, he can't right? make it metaphor. He can't make it poetic. Um, and he honestly can't make it all that catchy. Right. <laughs> it's just not I that think, pleasing to listen to. I, I think you got it. He can't make it. he's just he's just like sing-songing words which is what Mm -hmm. i do all the time but none of that is going to ever get on an album (laughs) right right which is back to the connection with tick tick boom 
what I mean, which is similar, except for that guy was real good. Yeah, he's basically a genius. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he he's um, yeah, he's just the whole kind of opening, you know, scenes of the movie is is understanding John's uh, frustration with songwriting and also his his sort of one-way relationship with social media right he has He's, 14 he has 14 followers on twitter yeah. hashtag nom 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 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he um he's out then uh i forget where what exactly he's doing but he he sees this kind of dust up on the shores of the beach where in a little village town where he lives and uh, there's a van, an old beat up van, very much like you would expect a tour van to look like for a band with no money or fans. And it has the name of the band uh, written in like, you know, that washable paint basically right. on the side of it. Right. It's dripping. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And there's and there there are some cops there. In, in well, wait, wait. What car. is the name of the band? It, you can't you can't pronounce it. I don't know how to pronounce it. No one in the band. Well, knows some, how to somebody it. tries to later. <laughs> it's great. It's like it's um, like <laughs> I just said that it was the uh, Fahuku gods. Uh, <laughs> that's good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> but you you um he's talking to a guy on the beach. Uh, and it's it's Scoot McNary is the the actor, and he um he's like what's going on? It's like oh uh, he's having a he's having a mental breakdown. He had, what he had he had some like bad acid or something like that. I think is what he said. I don't remember exactly, but um, <laughs> the police are kind of hauling hauling him out of the ocean, and they go to <laughs> and they take him they take him in an ambulance and uh, and but Frank the whole not Frank geez John the whole time is is enamored by the fact that oh my gosh you're the band who's in town to play a gig that I saw a poster for right and I go like, oh, yeah but some show it's going to be we can't play we don't have a keyboardist and he just kind of says offhandedly well I'm a keyboardist and he looks at him like really and he goes to talk to someone in the van he comes back in he's like you're in show up at the side entrance of the the theater at you know 8 p.m. and he's <laughs> like oh okay i guess i'm in a band and then he's he's like do you think he's gonna be okay the the keyboardist and um and they're like oh i don't know you know may probably maybe and he goes and he, he asks because he wants to make sure the keyboardist isn't going to show up <laughs> 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 like well we got to admit him into the hospital and stump pump his stomach he swallowed a lot of seawater and he kind of gives this little like this little grin like um i'm in which it kind of is your first sign that that John is a little bit of an opportunist, right? Um, okay, so he, uh, he's he got a gig with a band that he has no the music for, right? He's just <laughs> supposed to show up. I think he assumes he's going to rehearse, right, beforehand. You would think, yep. probably. <laughs> you would learn the music. But no, that's not what really Frank's band is about. <laughs> No, yeah, he just I, I don't to be think... able to play C, G, and F. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. You know these three chords. That's F. good enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, because uh, I'm not so sure that Frank's band knows Frank's band songs. Right. They are. <laughs> they are um, improvisational, to say the least. Um, they are. I would hate it. 
I would hate every minute of this concert. <laughs> oh, I would love, I would love listening to this music live, but this should have been some kind of warning to John early on that his input would never be needed. He just right. needed to be able to hang with them. On Play three C, chords. G, and F. Yeah. yeah, like it should have been a warning to him that they didn't need him for anything musically really yeah and that's the way he's treated throughout the movie and about that he's constantly trying to to stand out in this band of (laughs) of highly creative people right um but anyway uh yeah he's basically he just walks on the stage and they're in the middle performing (laughs) and he's just kind of has to saddle up to the keyboard and then frank comes out and starts singing his oh i love it he's he's like Chris Seavey would probably be in awe of this because I don't think this was ever conceived, but the, the, the head, the Frank head that is being worn is, is hooked up to the, um, an amplifier. So he can just plug in his head and it amplifies his voice from within through the speaker system, which is genius. It's <laughs> awesome. very awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so he's singing and then they're just kind of building this song on stage, which is actually pretty fun. I, I, I like the sound, the, the sound of the song. And John is kind of throwing in his CG and E flare, you know, here and there. And he's kind of getting into it. And it's, it is actually starting to come together. And he's feeling like he's part of something to like, I don't know, a dozen people who are just kind of milling around in this bar, right? <laughs> and then um, and then the self-destruction happens on stage, like you imagine always happens with these people. They, um, uh, Maggie Joan Hall, who is their thereminist and um, like synth uh, electronic, like all the, all the, all the, the wonky wild. She's their sounds. psycho. Yeah. <laughs> she gets electrocuted by her equipment and then she turns around and she starts fighting with the guitarist. And then the whole thing just like she just storms off stage. The rest of the band starts storms off stage. And then it's just Frank and John on stage. And I think Frank just looks around. And it, it's just great because he's, he's in his like huge head. Yeah. And then he just leaves. <laughs> well, it's funny because <clears throat> that electrocution piece happens and John stops playing. And that's what angers. Um, Maggie, uh, right. I forget her actual character Clara. name. Clara, Clara, thank you. Um, and she blames the whole thing on him for stopping playing. <laughs> it's like you should have kept playing. So you get the sense that this is par for the course for these people. They're right. always going through this kind of stuff, and they just persevere. well, because the, the guitarist also stops playing because I think he wants to go see if she's okay. Yeah, and she yells yeah. at him too. It's like, well, you're yeah. gonna that, fucking stop playing. Sh- that's what she shoves him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Funny stuff. Oh man. Um, so I, I don't actually remember what happens directly after this. Well, well John he just goes, goes back, back to work. To his, yeah. yeah. And uh, he gets uh, somebody walks by and says he's got a phone call. Yeah. And so he picks up the phone and it's um, it, it's uh, Scoot McNary. Don, the manager, Scoot McNary. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, so, um, um, you know, Frank liked you. Yeah, he found he found you cherishable. I thought he said perishable, but <laughs> this is like, cherishable. But perishable, like we're all perishable. What's the what's so great about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so it's like, so we're doing this really big thing. We're going to go to this island um, off of Ireland, 
come with us, meet us at this place at this time. So always meet us at this place at this time with this band. <laughs> and I would hate it. <laughs> so they, um, so they get there and then, you know, like the band or the, the van rolls up and John's like, Oh, I thought you said to go here. I, so I thought I'd come out here. And it's like, he's, he's just being a goofball at Total this goofball. point. And yeah. they're like, whatever, get in the van. And he gets in and, you know, there's Frank with his fucking head back there to which I think surprises John because he thinks oh. that it's just an act thing. No, it's, it's every day. It's every minute of everyday life. And, um, uh, uh, Claire is back there just staring daggers into him the whole time. Um, <laughs> And so they go off to this island where Don says, basically makes it seem like they're never going to leave. Oh, yeah. He's showing everyone where their living quarters are, where they're <laughs> sleeping. And he's like, um, and uh, yeah. And uh, John says, wait, how long are we going to be here? He's like, well, until the album's finished. It's like, well, I have to be back at work on Monday. <laughs> yeah. He has no idea what he's in for. Right. Um. Yeah, so <laughs> there is a funny moment before they get to the island that I just want to mention real quick. Um, Frank's head gets lit on fire in the background. <laughs> he's trying to light a cigarette and he's like, I'm on fire. <laughs> I'm on fire. It's just really funny. <laughs> like and to, that's I, when John is asking Don, it's like, so, you know, is he like this all the time? And, and Don's like, yeah, you know, and, and it's kind of real revealed that everybody has issues in this band because Don's issue is he used to fuck mannequins. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And he wants yeah. to be Frank. He wants it, to be Frank Sidebottom. Yep. Right. So, yeah. Who, who appeared to be the normal person. He says, like, even Don says, like, Frank is the sanest person I've ever met. Yep. Right. And you're like, okay, so the person we think might have some grounding in reality is not who we thought he was. So no, he's not, is. he is not well. And yeah. he, um, he, yeah, he, he met Frank in a mental institution as well. Yes. So, right. yes. So, yeah, everybody, yeah, I, I, this is around the time where John should be feeling a little uncomfortable, probably. I would be <laughs> feeling a lot uncomfortable it's like oh boy i may have stepped in shit here right <laughs> yeah i mean i'd be scared to go to an island with these people i barely know who yeah I one of them I out they're all a little bit crazy and yeah. one of them just walks around in a weird satin nightgown with her bra hanging out and a knife <laughs> i like that but i don't want to be around that yeah. <laughs> i like watching that but from uh the other side of the tv <laughs> yes i love i love after um don gives the tour and um and frank seems satisfied he's standing by the window and he says we will have many productive seasons here yep <laughs> <laughs> which is true as we yes. will find out later but yeah so they start recording stuff and they're just recording sounds like yeah, frank yeah. doing weird lunges their field work. Yeah. Field uh, work. Whipping swooshes, water pouring. Um, and, and I wrote again, I would hate all of this. I would absolutely hate all of this, but it is a very funny situation. <laughs> then when they finally start making music, they're not recording anything. They're 
they're just rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing because Frank insists that it's all that it all be perfect before they before they record anything. Right. Well, and, at one point, Don takes off running. Yeah. And Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal just comes out with like a fucking boomerang or something and just fucking beans him from like 40 yards away. <laughs> yeah. So and then just walks back into the house like it was nothing, like it's an everyday occurrence. <laughs> yeah, I think stay, stay uh, Don probably therapy. tries to harm himself a lot is what. And Frank yes. always has to stop him from doing so. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it really shows that like there is everything in this band is broken. Um, but yeah, so. <laughs> but the one thing they do share that's not broken is their creative process. And that's right. really what this whole movie is about is the wrench that gets thrown into that process. Yeah, they, right. have, they have all the people. They have a harmony that works. Yeah. With for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then it, it turns out that, yeah, John is kind of the problem with that, right? Because he's just not the one that fits. Yeah. Yes. And so, right. Because, like, the other thing, like, he is so wrapped up in, he's a, he's more of a hype guy than anything because he wants to record what they're doing, put it on YouTube. Um, he's uh, building a fan base for them. And that's the only thing he can really contribute, but it's not what they want. He doesn't do anything that they actually want. Um, and <laughs> he also wants to try to become kind of more creative too, which is, that's a difficult thing to do. And it's especially difficult when you're listening to a self-help book and it tells you, to make it so that you move your face instead of moving the razor and cut your face all the shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's having a bit of a, of a existential crisis. John is, he's trying to figure out who he is and how he fits in. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's okay just to say you don't, this right. is not your, this is, this is not your group. But then um, he kind of gets caught up in the charisma that is Frank, right? right. Well, because Frank is the one guy who is truly kind to him, mm -hmm. who doesn't just see him as a utility or doesn't just want to wish him dead or isn't a French fuckhead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, even, he even goes out of his way to make him feel comfortable with the head, right? Yes. He's like, would it be would it be more helpful if I if I described my facial expressions to you, right? Right. And and John was like, yeah, that would help. And and Frank is more than happy to comply. To which Clara, Clara, is, hates Clara is like not having it. She's like, <laughs> yeah. would you please stop doing that? It's annoying. <laughs> yeah. I love the the part where Frank is like, well, you know, faces are weird too. Like they look all right, and then it's just Ugh. he's like, <laughs> and lips look like the very edges of a serious wound. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. The Frank is like, yeah, my face is just as normal or maybe more normal than yours. It's <laughs> 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 funny. So, but this, is, but this is also then when, you know, Frank starts to encourage John to, to share his creation, to share his music. It's like, share your music with us, John. In like the most enthusiastic way possible. He asks for that. Yeah. Cause he goes to Claire and it's like, guess what? John writes songs too. <laughs> 
it's like a nightmare scenario, right? Where you just have like this very modest little thing you want to share. And then somebody starts making a big deal out of it. <laughs> and as it turns out, he really has nothing to nope. share. He gets four bars into anything he's created, which you get the feeling that that's as far that's as, he as, far as he's ever gone. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so he, <laughs> um, yeah, so that that falls flat on its face. And uh, but Frank doesn't he just is like, yeah, you know, OK, well, it'll come or what? You know, that's the kind of the attitude he gives John. And um, so uh, one one problem starts uh, starts to present itself. And that is they're out of money and they have been in this uh, this cabin for like. 30 days past the last time they paid anything. So they got to make, they got to pay money. And also the people who actually own the place come home. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's uh, I don't even Chuck, think it's the people muted. who own the place. It's the people who, who um, have, have been rented the place. Yeah. They're vacationers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. They're the next people who have, re- I yeah. thought they said that they had, that they had, own it but they may have just said rented it but yeah so i was gonna say there are a few things going on here john or frank brings them to a place where he wants them to just challenge each other and press each other and things get kind of dangerous and they have their safe word chinchilla Um, (laughs) they just beat on each other (laughs) yep and and john is feeling down about the fact that he can't write a song but he thinks he writes something decent and he plays it for don and then Don plays his song about fucking a mannequin in the winter, yeah. and it's freaking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I think, around this time is when the people come to visit. Um, and Frank, <laughs> Frank is like, without saying anything, he's like, I'll handle this. And he takes the woman outside. I wish I knew what he said to her, but he basically just like enlightens her in some way, right? He, this is what Frank yeah, he, does. It, it's like he he frees her of 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 like yeah and and they just start dancing and like twirling around and it's <laughs> all says, very sweet she says, she says thank you for this new truth in my soul <laughs> yep and they just leave happily <laughs> but and that then, means they have to pay and who has to do the paying well john has a nest egg yeah and he's gonna he's going to uh he's going to let the the band basically live off his dime um, he's yeah. like, well, when my grandfather died, I, I inherited some money. I, you know, it's just kind of hanging out in the in an account. I can use it or whatever. And they're like, oh, great. Okay, let's get back to work. Um, but then it's 11 months later. <laughs> yeah. And they're finally going to record. <laughs> Recording is about to begin in earnest. They don't want to use any of my compositions. And I gave them my fucking nest egg. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, well, the, 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 right before right before they don't use any of his compositions, he actually he actually shares a song he person. really likes. Yeah, the song he really likes. And it's in it's no not much, but it's got something. And Frank likes it. And, he and then he really sits excited. down. Yeah, and he sits down at the piano and starts playing. And then he's like, "All right, Clara, come over here." And so that basically they squeeze John out and they make it a fucking weird song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you can't even recognize what it began as, which is hilarious. But but that's also like so indicative of of John's problem, right? Yeah, is he can't he can't elevate anything. What you could argue whether they did, but um, but they're going to take an idea and run with it. 
Jean is just happy to have one. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like the one these, these people, whether you like what they produce or not, are artists in the sense that they are, they will think of something and then they will, they will pick at it until they're happy with it. John. Or until they just discard it because it, they right, don't like because it. it doesn't work. Right. Um, yep. And they can discard it relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, John is a wannabe artist who can't get past the creative element or he can't even start with the idea part to get to the creative element. So like he, he is always second guessing ideas. Whereas these other people will take an idea to the end of the road, whatever the end of the road is, it could be at the end of the driveway or it could be all the way to completion. Um, so yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, he is the he's the exact opposite, and um, he just doesn't fit in. But they start recording, and my note was was that the song that they're recording uh, is like something Jim Morrison would do if he was high on sniffing his own drug farts. It's the it's the secure the galactic perimeter song. I think. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, Which, man. I, which I, I love I love the music in this. Um, oh, it, it is perfect for what it is. I don't know if I could listen to this album. I couldn't listen to the soundtrack minus the the movie. It's, it's not it's it, interesting it, though because um, because there are versions. Obviously, there are the working versions of the songs, and then Stephen Rennix actually produced full versions of these songs and put them on the album. And they're, I don't know, I find them really fun to listen to. <laughs> yeah, in most of the cases, I like the the natural version in the movie um, versus the actual produced soundtrack versions of the songs. Like, But they're both good, in my opinion. I enjoy both of them. So they, they finish the album and they start passing out Coronas because that's well, wait, how we you have to them. talk about the fucking secure the glass galactic perimeter well, of the song. I, well we did uh, you got up for a second i said a, it was like something would, like jim morrison would do if he was high on sniffing his own drug farts okay sorry my bad. <laughs> no go ahead <laughs> <laughs> no i just love that that song yeah my no bad. no Good. it's i mean yeah it's it's just it's so that's where i was saying it's like i don't know if i could listen to the soundtrack or or the music separate from the movie it is in the movie where, it's where perfect. you see where you see like the the culmination of their creative work right like this is this is what they have produced this is what they have come up with after all this like fighting and angst and field work and um and pulling every ounce of creative energy out of each other right this is like the culmination and, and it does work there's a harmony to it and um dom gleason in his like crazy hair <laughs> he hasn't shaved <laughs> since the shaving mishap earlier <laughs> right <laughs> he feel you kind of even feel like he's kind of gotten to that uh, to a place of of creative output that that fits right well absolutely i mean there's harmony they wake <clears throat> up in the morning and they're all with the exception of frank they're all sleeping together on a bed and dom yeah. dom's not there yeah. they're all sleeping together so they have somehow formed a bond surrounding the recording of the music that does not exist outside of that for John with anyone other than Frank, maybe. Right. Um, well, and uh, what was the, oh, there was something that, 
shit never mind i i had something but then i then i lost it but yeah go ahead keep going so yeah uh dom wakes up in the morning and he goes out or i call them dom but i mean john um wakes up and goes out for a smoke in the morning and he's kind of looking around like self-satisfied and then he notices that john is hanging from a tree Uh, yeah um so real quick um a couple of a couple of things i do want to say at one point john is um really wants to know what frank looks like yeah and he sees and he's like he wants to tell him about the song he wrote and or i think that was i think or it was something he he wants to tell frank something and he notices that frank's in the shower and he notices that his head is sitting over there and <laughs> this fucking killed me so this fucking <laughs> killed me he goes into the bathroom hoping to sneak a peek at frank's real face to which then suddenly frank throws the the uh, curtain open and he's just wearing another version of the head with a plastic bag over it yep <laughs> it's very funny there's also a really important scene that happens where um you learn that don was the previous keyboard player before that the comes keyboard up player. next yeah oh does it come up after he died yeah, yeah they dies? have okay yeah but they think uh, at first the thought is is that frank hung himself right because yes. he's, he's wearing the frank mask he's yes. wearing the extra frank mask yeah yep. yeah um and yeah and then they realize oh no it's don because frank because frank, frank walks up yeah. yeah he walks up he's like what's going on <laughs> <laughs> and a bag of groceries in his head and yeah. Yeah. uh they did have to so the, the, also the uh, nest egg is like severely depleted to the point <laughs> yeah. where they have to ration food and frank only eats um like powdered food through a straw because he never takes his, his head off uh but at one point <laughs> John is trying to sneak some food and is attacked by Clara, <laughs> who also wants to sneak food. It's 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 the it's a fucking farce at sometimes in this. It's yeah. great. Yep. Um, yeah. You so need, anyway. you need those moments in this movie to like the funny moments. Without them, it would probably fall flat on its face. Oh, overall. probably It'd be too depressing. Yeah. Oh probably. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so speaking of of. of dark joke that i laughed at pretty hard was the fact that they gave they give don a viking funeral yeah they put him on a pyre man it's ridiculous yeah. and they have a mannequin leg next to him which with, is with funny flowers too. in it yeah yep. <laughs> and that's when when i think frank mentions or claire one of them mentions that that don was the previous he was, the, he was the first keyboard player the f- first keyboard player. so this band has an awful time finding a keyboard player they'd definitely be better off without one yeah. right yeah, they, yeah they why, why can't Clara also play keyboards that. yeah what jason yeah. yeah so yeah don played keyboards and then he became their their manager and like sound engineer right right so yeah. he didn't work out as an as a keyboardist but he but he found another way to contribute right then you had the the next keyboardist who went crazy on the beach, has never seen from again, and now you have you have John, and yeah, it's like a dawning realization. It's like you know, is 
he but he's still not quite getting it nope he's like all oh the rest all, of us have gotten all that. the keyboarders yeah. in this band lose their shit you know in some way shape or form they don't fit they are probably never gonna fit <laughs> they've tried ways to fit that obviously haven't panned out for them or anyone else but damn it he's gonna keep trying right and he i should, think that he, sh- he should probably learn you know we recorded the album Let's move on. But something happens that he just cannot let it go. Yep. And Don actually did. I think this is like the culmination of his life, right? They recorded an album and he recorded it. So he found his way to contribute finally. And I think he was satisfied with that. And that's why he goes and hangs himself. Yeah. Agreed. agreed. There's nothing else to accomplish. Right. Yep. Yep. 100%. So pretty. Oh, by the way, when the. (laughs) When the when the Viking funeral concludes, <laughs> fucking Frank goes out there with a fucking can and just starts like just picking up fistfuls of the ashes and sticks it in the can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that can is the it's, it's an empty nut. version yeah. of whatever protein powder yeah. thing he drinks. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So it's shortly after this that uh, they that John gets an invite to play at south by southwest yep uh they've seen the videos to which john thinks this is great because fifty-seven thousand people have watched it's, our videos it's, it's two thousand it's twenty three thousand five hundred seventy one. that's what it, yeah because <laughs> frank, like, frank, says, frank says 20 two, two, three, seven, one people are interested in us <laughs> 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 and so yeah and so like you know uh, frank likes the idea and uh you know he's like hey we found we found the audience which is what to a certain extent frank is kind of he's enamored by the idea of somebody finally hearing what they do um he's he someplace says, in he even be- says that clara finally someone understands me that that people might actually like our music unlike clara <laughs> right yeah because clara is just like a, just a horribly un, unhappy person <laughs> yeah, she, yeah i think he even says clara would be happy if if uh, if no one listens to us or something right. like that yeah right because she, she has a she has a reason for that and it's actually a good one but you don't know it at yeah. this point right you have no uh, idea why right so she she goes outside well because john thinks I've I've done my part, and he's yep. just relaxing in the uh, in the, the in the hot, hot tub. tub, and he's he's so proud of himself. He's just smoking a cigarette. It's like I've done what I've finally contributed. Clara comes out and starts yelling at him, trying to turn off the the because <laughs> he can't the hear her over yep. the bubbles. So she's trying to, and he's like, "All you've done is just reset the timer." <laughs> <laughs> so she starts yelling at him. To which he then calls her a cunt and then smash cut to them fucking each other. <laughs> yeah, he stands up and she looks at his cock and apparently that's all it takes to get her hot because, yes, yeah, she starts fucking him in the hot tub. Uh, yeah. And she, then, does tell, she does tell John if he fucks up yes. South by Southwest, she's going to stab she, him. She points, <laughs> she points yeah. with her toe at him right in his face and says, if you fuck this, if you fuck everything up in America, I'll stab you. Yep. And he's just like, okay <laughs> but he's also like you're you're still i'm still kind of with him at this point in a first watch 
like yeah. kind of yeah. sympathize with him. The second watch, you can't really because right. uh, you know what he's like. But yeah, like he, yeah, he's just he he's so confused. He's like, I did something good. Why am I getting threatened? Well, here? he also he also confuses their now relationship. To yes, which is like, this is going to uh-huh. be this is going to be awkward. And it's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, us being together. It's like, oh no, no, we're not together. Just get that. I, I wouldn't be together with somebody as disgusting as you. Yeah, she says, I would. We will never be together. I find you disgusting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this is also around the time that he realizes she is in love with Frank. Yeah yeah yes right yes. and is afraid that if he becomes famous that she will lose him um yeah. which i i mean i don't know if that's the greatest reason but it is a reason it is not the reason though john mm-hmm. is completely wrong about the reason fair enough fair enough yeah um so yeah so they they get in uh they get into america and they're driving along in the in the uh, Sonoma Perverbs fan, and um, <laughs> <laughs> you tried. I tried. I tried. <laughs> but Chuck, you laughing makes it all worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even give it an attempt. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I try. Then, anyway, so they uh, they decide to stop and pull over someplace in the middle of the fucking desert. Uh, and they're gonna <laughs> they're going to spread john's ashes because john is also from john and frank and clara are all americans um and so they you know it's like john knows or um, john had told frank at some point not john don don had told frank at some point that he loved the the desert and yep. so frank thinks this is the perfect place to dump his ashes so they go out and he, he says something really nice about about how this is how he always wanted to be. You know, he always wanted to come back here, but he couldn't get here. And he starts throwing the ashes into the wind. <laughs> some, of it, some of it hits the the French guitar player. It's very much like the um, big Lebowski, the big Lebowski yeah. joke. Right. Yeah. But there's but there's an extra sting to the joke. Go for it. Uh, it's it's the Veginut. Yeah. <laughs> he grabbed he grabbed the wrong c- container so who knows what happened to don's ashes maybe they were maybe they were consumed <laughs> well it's funny too because before you realize it <laughs> realize it's a veggie nut clara comes up and starts eating some of it and you're like holy shit yeah yeah it's like <laughs> what is she doing <laughs> and she's like you fucking idiot it's veggie nut <laughs> to which to which frank just looks around and it's like oh it's like well then where where's where's don and the french guy's like oh i i i packed the wrong i packed the wrong can yep (laughs) but clara still goes and and throws all the veginut around in the in the desert (laughs) right and they all walk back to the to the and it's just sometimes it's funny frank just standing there is funny because it's like it's someplace in between a dejection and a well i still tried to and you know he's still like you know going through the the fucking ceremony or whatever he's not gotten the cue of what he's supposed to do next like he's just in his own mind basically and doesn't move it happens this this is like this is where the 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 frank character is very um uh jesus um daniel daniel johnston thank you you're welcome yes 
this is this is where that starts to happen because um you really get to start to get a sense of frank's mental illness you get an understanding of you know he wants to be accepted um but he's afraid he has his own insecurities about failure as well which are totally normal but when combined with a very real mental illness it's a dangerous it's dangerous and this is where uh, clara is very in tune with frank and is yes. trying to and is trying to protect him yeah yeah because what you find out is that they get to the new discoveries booth to register and um the two people who invited them who you know are pretty low level employees at south by southwest they're they're in, they're in charge of like finding talent that that is sort of on the fringes and and showcasing them as new discoveries which was not really all that well explained maybe to john or he wasn't hearing it well he probably was looking past it he's yeah yeah, what you find out is that yeah they have some likes but they'll be lucky if maybe a handful of people in the room actually know who they are yeah and and this is where frank starts to break down because he in his mind before this he's saying things like legions and multitudes of adoring fans like he has he is on this huge manic high of of acceptance that he thinks he's on the precipice of and now he's hearing this and it's all crashing right and um but you know i mean they're still going to get their opportunity and that's what uh that's what not only the organizer or the people who brought them there but also john is trying to say even though john is coming to the realization that's like well that's nothing you know it's like that those numbers are nothing because they were like well you really aren't going to be worthwhile until you have five hundred thousand. you know and that's yeah but uh (laughs) frank disappears well, yeah, um, there's a really, really important moment here. Frank oh, is yeah. kind of, yeah. kind of in his own mind, like crashing, right? He's, yeah. he's realizing the, what the situation actually is. And he's kind of spinning around in the middle of a party that they're at. And Clara goes to John and she's like, I really need your help yeah. to get him out of here. Yeah. And John's like, he's fine. He's fine. So it's like, John does not recognize or understand Frank at all. Clara understands what Frank is going through and knows that this is bad. And she's like, Nope, we got to get him out of here. And they, he does disappear, but there's also, doesn't the, well, there's, there's a song. Before he has his full breakdown um, or is in the middle of it. Yeah. He, he convinces this is the, this is in my opinion where, where John becomes the villain of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. John wants Frank to change. His, yeah and his so entire his entire artistic presence he wants him to be more likable as soon as he says those words john is the villain yeah agreed because you know it's like what he's trying to do now is trying to mold the band into okay we've got a following because we're weird but imagine if we could be likable yeah you know at that point i mean the likability element becomes more important than the standing out because you're a little weird but still doing something kind of interesting concept um and frank starts to go through the transformation where he starts wearing lipstick when he's going to write the song yeah like he's doing some kind of transformation in his own mind that he thinks will get him to be more likable yeah i also love his gigantic headphones 
on his helmet yeah. on his helmet mask oh, or they're around his neck it's hilarious oh yeah because they're like because the, he could almost wear it around his shoulders yeah, yeah. and there, <laughs> there's then, a moment there's a moment of corruption that you really feel like john has 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 fully instilled his total lack of creativity in a way that has that has brought the whole house down and it's when um frank plays his most likable song ever which is hilarious the and the the song that 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 Coca Cola himself dance yeah. with me dance with me <laughs> <laughs> and it's completely bonkers the song is right and and even Claire says that's your most likable song <laughs> yeah and she's like people are gonna love it <laughs> <laughs> but then, but, funny, and, but then John goes up and he's like well we can work with it he starts to change it and Frank says john fixed it that's so likable you should be famous it's so likable yeah (laughs) this is where this is where you know it's like if you if you you know think about that scene earlier in the movie where they take john's song and change it right now he's doing that to frank's songs and frank is responding to it and he's like in no way shape or form should he be responding to anything musically creative that john is putting out there right right yeah it's where the mirror starts this is very mirroring the Uh early part of the film for the rest of the way and this is where and this is where you yeah frank is cracked he's he's having a full-on mental breakdown at this point because even if he thinks this song is likable and will and that people will like it it's not him right? right right and he's not really able to to reconcile that yeah and so yeah he does eventually um and claire stabs john (laughs) well okay wait a minute now jesus christ you you just jumped to the punchline there um they disappear john's trying to find them the the french uh guitarist and the drummer decide they're they're leaving because they hate they hate john so much that they he's broken the band they're leaving um, so they eventually he eventually finds or they tell him though where they last saw Frank. And he goes and finds Frank basically like huddled next to a fucking dumpster with Clara. And John's videoing this. Yeah. And he's like trying to talk to them. And that's when Clara stands up and comes at him with a knife, to which he starts <laughs> screaming, chinchilla. <laughs> yep and she stabs him and she gets arrested and now john and frank are alone well not quite yet john goes back to the room and the french people are consoling frank on the bed and they're um, like john they're like john's gonna ruin the band so we're getting the we're getting the hell out of here that's yeah okay yeah and they leave um and this is John's opportunity, right? He could make a good decision here, or a bad decision. He definitely makes the bad one. Yeah. And he's like, it's going to be okay, Frank. We're going to go. We're going to play acoustic. People love acoustic sets, right, yeah. of, of yeah. other people's music. So I'm like, well, they don't even know your original music. So <laughs> right. having an acoustic set makes no sense. Right. <laughs> but Frank goes into the bathroom before they're ready to play and completes his full transformation to look like frank the woman or whatever right. whatever he's yeah he, he's wearing full makeup he's wearing a dress um and, and even john pauses for saying it's like oh this is not right this is not what he does and then uh, frank says let's fuck 
is his way of saying I'm ready to go. Right. So they go out and they start playing and Frank just collapses and starts saying it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But they're also playing a a John song, right? right? But it's terrible. (laughs) The music is shit. The music is shit. (laughs) And so they, they basically crash and burn. They end up having to go stay at like one of those live in um, hotels that, that people have to go live at when they get kicked out of their houses. And um, uh, time is, is starting to run out as far as like they, they need to pay. They don't have any money. Um, and <laughs> man, Frank, Frank's head is all in, in disarray. Like, well, he's got he's got it taped up with electrical yeah. tape or duct yeah. tape. Yeah. 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 Because he hit his head. He right. also. Um, oh, somebody else. Go ahead. I had a thought and it escaped me. No, that's all right. So they. Um, yeah. And so like. John now decides he wants to really he just wants to take Frank's helmet or uh, mask off. And they start wrestling. And again, it's not I mean, it's it's funny. But in kind of that depressing way, because it's yeah, like, it, but in it's a tragic so, way. I mean, yeah. it is what's happening is tragic, but them wrestling each other is fucking hilarious because it's so, it's, it's so, yeah, he's trying to pull his giant head off of him. I mean, I mean, it's, 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 um, it's so farcical, yeah, right? right. It's, yeah. it, it's just, it's so uh, like, it, it's not at all looks like it is practiced or at all it's just like <laughs> no. th- these are just two people just wrestling each other like kids you know <laughs> but frank frank runs away yes yeah, so and then he just runs away yeah but he gets hit by a car yeah. right and instead of john and this john is just becoming more villainous at this oh, point oh god this is his, this is his most despicable moment in my yes opinion. well he yeah. gets yeah. karmically paid off for this though he but gets to come up he asked the guy that hit him did you see his face that's all he cares about he yeah. doesn't care about frank's well-being at Was this okay moment. nothing yeah nothing and then he starts to walk out into the street and he yep like jeff said he gets his karmic come up and he gets hit by a cartoon it's really funny and sad it is it is Uh, it it really really is because it just happens out of nowhere and he gets fucking blindsided by a truck (laughs) and so he ends up in the hospital in traction and um he's uh, but he gets released and he has to go and he wants to go and try to find frank and so he starts using his um he starts uh, using his know, Twitter account to find using people. his Twitter account. He also comes across a shit kicker bar where uh, the rest of the Sonomber birds were, <laughs> were hanging out and playing. And there is something about. <laughs> I like, I like how, I like how he finds them because he saw, he saw an advertisement for their band. Which and is all just, just like, like it was just like all M's and C's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're playing totally uninspired music, right? right. They, they, they are they are playing old country western songs, yeah. Like, um, but in the most dreadful way possible, right? It, you know what it reminded me of, and I meant to pull this up before, but like, there's something really haunting about it, especially mm-hmm. how like Maggie Gyllenhaal singing the songs. But it makes yeah. me think 
of when Sonic Youth covered that one Carpenter song. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where it's real haunting. And that's not at all how the Carpenters did the song. I mean, right. it's the similar tempo, but it's just it's off, you know, and it's like it sticks with you a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's like this is. It, it, yeah. So anyway, he, he gets um, he, he gets messages that are jokes about where he can find uh, Frank, but he finally gets one that leads him to um, a town in Kansas. And he, I think, yeah, he, because I think he knows that Frank is from Kansas. Don, Don, I think mentioned earlier in the movie that hey, he once told me he's from this place. So when John sees that, he's like, okay, this is the one. And this is a really cool scene because it's very mirroring the beginning. Because John has been the whole time we've talked about this. He's like trying to define or understand where creativity comes from, and he's walking through the neighborhood. And it looks exactly like his in England. There's yeah. a guy spraying his lawn. There's some kids playing with something. Like, it's very much a mirror of, of his situation to begin the movie, right? There's also a line that's really important um, where, where John says uh, something about, oh, yeah, miserable childhood. There you he are. Can- he says, miserable childhood, mental illness. Where do I find that kind of inspiration, right? Right. That's something that John really thinks in his head is where creativity comes from. Yeah. This is, I'll admit something here because in my twenties, I used to think my life was too normal for creativity's sake. Right. Like I'm not Ernest Hemingway. I'm not tortured. I'm not. Yeah. And it's a, it's a big fallacy. Right. Um, But he goes and (laughs) he starts talking to a guy in the lawn that I think he thinks is Frank or related to Frank. And the guy's like, hey, I'm just here to trim the trees. I'm just a tree surgeon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Leave me alone. I'm just looking at this tree. (laughs) But then he sees a guy just standing in the yard. Um, Obviously, it's damaged to his head from the car accident. Um, Well, uh, the the uh, the damage is actually from the from the mask. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, well, yeah, it, but he has he has some shit on his head from the accident too. I think maybe not. no, he yeah, has he bald might. spots from the yeah. Mask. His hair is his hair is falling out because yeah. it's not. I guess you're right. Yeah, I had assumed it was some. Yeah, because he he's, he's worn that mask for like 20 years or something. Yeah. So it's like it's like it's permanently put a scar or a crease on his forehead, mm-hmm. and it follows through his hairline. Yeah. Um, this was he, a cool surprise too. The first time I watched this because I had no idea Fassbender was even in it. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned that the whole time yeah. that Frank is is in this movie. It's Michael Fassbender under a mask, who apparently really liked acting under the mask. Yes, yes, yeah. that's what he said. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, it is it is uh, Michael Fassbender. Um, that's proof that he can he can do anything. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, um, but even Frank is or John is still, even after having walked through his neighborhood, still believes that that Frank had to have had a bad childhood, right? Something had to be wrong with his life to, to make him this way. And then Jason, I know you probably wrote this line down. What does his mother say exactly about creativity? Well, yeah, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty emphatic that, you know, he had a normal childhood. I mean, this, this is like, this is Daniel Johnson's parents to a T by the way. Um, You know, he had a normal childhood. Um, You know, we, you know, we were, we were always good to him. Um, the well, music- I think they even said that they that they supported his yeah. his uh, artistic 
you know, yes. adventures and everything. But she says um, the music was always there when asked, well, they asked about the mental illness. And she says the music was always there. And it was the mental illness. If anything, it slowed him down. Right? Yeah. Yep. Well, it was, because it was a hindrance to his creativity. Well, Very at one point, the, yeah. And they even, he even says like, well, how long has he been like this? And the dad's like, well, he has a mental illness. He's, he's always had it. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is just how people are. It's not sometimes, sometimes things can happen where psychological abuse can create a mental illness. Uh, most of the time though, is there's something already lying there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is, I mean, the parents are so accepting of him, you know, it, it's, it's almost heartbreaking that it's like they, they were, they were powerless to, to do anything more. They did everything they could. Um, and, you know, and, and the dad does say though, it's like the whole thing with the mask was when he yeah. was like 10 or 11, he wanted to wear a mask for a, for a costume party. He didn't realize there was no costume party and he made him a mask and he liked wearing it and they never told him not to. Yeah. Um, they said the worst mistake they made was catering to his illness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where yeah. back then they should have been able to see this kid needs help. Yeah. Um, and they didn't they just were trying to be good parents and, and sometimes being trying to be too much of a good parent can also stand in the way of being good parents. Um, it, it's kind of both ways, you know, when you are, you know, artistic, your artistry can be affected by mental illness. Um, identifying mental illness can sometimes be blocked by just trying to be a good parent. Yeah, this is this is that is the devil and Daniel Johnston the documentary about Daniel Johnston to AT. His relationship with his parents is so complex in that because they think they just have an unruly child that they don't understand, right? Who is slowly as he gets older, his illness is getting worse. And they just they're never able to quite identify it or understand it or come to terms with it, but they try to give them everything and all the support they can to a point. Right. Mm-hmm. But they can't, they can't just allow him to do whatever he wants either. He's their, he's their kid, you know, kids don't get to just do whatever they want. Right. So we're trying to find this balance and understanding um, while, while, while really trying to still love their child. It's, it's a heartbreaking. Yeah. And they even, I mean, it doesn't even seem like that they even saw him as unruly. Right. They just right. got to a point where, he needs to go to the hospital, you know, and that's, yeah. And that's the way it is. And I'm sure in the middle of fucking Kansas, that didn't look good on them, but they did the right thing, you know? And, uh, that's the other, there's a whole other element of that where it's like, um, there's, there's of course going to, of course going to be stigma around that and they're going to be blamed or they're going to be looked at as failures that sometimes makes it hard for those parents to do the right thing. You know, again, just trying to be a good parent sometimes ain't enough. Right. And what it could be debatable on what John does next, if it's actually a good thing for Frank or not, but he decides to take him to where he found um, Clara and the rest of the band. And this scene, another mirror of the beginning is wonderful because Frank is just standing on the floor kind of looking around trying to take it all in um and he starts to talk like john did in the beginning about the waves the waves crash again but instead he says he thanks the bar for having him he says i love your wall and this is where his kind of creative 
the, the step that John could never take, Frank takes immediately and writes like kind of a beautiful touching song about the band embracing him again right like take me back i'm i'm here put your arms around me you know even if you're nervous which i think is like the fiddly digits kind of stuff he's like just i love you guys and i want you to love me too yeah and he's pretty much focused on clara here like when he's saying i love you all he's really singing to her and they're starting to play along to what yeah. he's singing as well so it's it, it does feel like this this healing that's happening with all of them this cohesive unit is is starting to to come together again it's yeah. beautiful it's really beautiful and then um, yeah and then john just leaves yeah he's you know, watching from he's, the bar and then it cuts back to him and he's gone yeah, yeah. and he's yep. he's put them back to where they uh to where they were um they're finally without a keyboardist where they always needed yeah. to be wanted yeah. they needed to be yeah. right um one thing that we didn't <laughs> we didn't mention about the whole chinchilla thing is that John becomes famous for being the chinchilla guy instead of anything else. All of the, all of the stuff that he had set up for the band is basically fucked because he becomes known as the chinchilla guy and he doesn't become famous for anything positive. He becomes famous for being laughed at. Yeah, I mean, it's brought up. It's brought up by that guy when he's looking for Frank, and it's it's a really like kind of scathing comment on popularity via social media. Right. That yep. you know, we thought that Frank was just funny. You know, we thought Clara was a character. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like they're none of what like and you alluded to this with John. None of what they were doing is why they were famous. Right. It's the act that people thought they were that made them famous. When in yeah. reality, they're very dysfunctional hurting group of people that are being capitalized on and being laughed at yeah and but again when clara stabs john john gets his comeuppance for wanting to be famous by becoming famous for being kind of an asshole idiot you know it's like he's for for exploiting them basically yeah. yeah and and while they don't realize that's what they're laughing at that is what they're laughing at is the fact that he fucked this band up to the point where somebody tried to kill him. <laughs> but this and, is, and now they're laughing at him for that. It's super important that John realizes all the mistakes and he's apologized to people, but the fact that he walks away instead of trying to join the embrace is a very big kind of growth for John too, because earlier in the film, you'd think he'd take credit for this, for making them, for bringing them back together. But instead He's like, no, I need to remove myself from this because I was the problem. It's really yeah. the end of this movie is just awesome. I think, yeah, yeah it's perfect. Um, yeah, no, this is uh, this is good stuff. I mean, it's it is. I mean, it is a comedy with a lot of punch to it. Um, we should say that um, the director Lenny Lenny Abrahamson. It, late, uh, Lenny's an overrepresentation. Um, <laughs> um, he's no, um, he's no nothing. Uh, right. One yep. year later, he's nominated for best director for Room. For Room, yeah. Um, and Stephen Rennick, I think, was was he nominated for best score for that as well? I uh, possibly, that. I think they got a. I mean, they got a bunch, and of course, it won. Well, uh, maybe it wasn't wasn't for the Academy Award, but he got awards from the score for that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, he, uh, it ended up winning best actors, um, yeah. for Brie, for Brie Larson. So yeah. yeah, I mean, not, not a nothing guy. I mean, and he had done, uh, some other stuff leading up to this too. So, um, that was, uh, well-liked. So what, uh, there was something that I read that he was supposedly going to be working on something, but it ended up either not happening and, um, I never actually saw that movie. Now I'm intrigued. We'll probably check room. it out. It's room. Oh, it's it's a it's a toughie. Yeah, I'd assume so. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of why it's I heavy, stayed away from heavy, it. Heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, that's why I kind of stayed away from it too. Even though I'm sure it's a great film, it's very well made, but it is the subject matter is very difficult. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. So no, I I was. I was very, 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 very surprised that I liked this movie as much as I did because I, I just thought uh, this is going to be like a weird movie. I'm going to have to be in a certain headspace. Not really. This yeah. movie is very funny on its own merits. I it's mean, it likeable. is, and it's it's <laughs> it it's very likable. It should be famous. It's very likable. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I think you even asked us on air. Um, in our last episode, if you were going to like it, and I, I like, asked you, I was like, "Am I going to hate this movie?" Yeah, that's, what, that's I, exactly what I said. In my opinion, it was definitely like one of those you're going to be on the fence, but when you fall off, you're going to roll real hard, whatever right. direction. <laughs> that's like fair. It. That yeah. that is fair. Um, but no, this is. I mean, the reason why we did this movie is because I recommended um, this is Spinal Tap, to which yeah, you know, Jay's like, "No, we need something weirder." And I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck. I was, I, was, I was a little worried about how we talk about Spinal Tap. I still think we can do Spinal Tap. I just wasn't in the right, like, I'd just seen it recently. And I was like, man, I don't know how we're going to talk about this movie. Is, is it just going to be one of those episodes where we just talk about all the jokes? Right? Right. And those don't always end up being the best episodes. Um, I felt like Frank brought a little bit more meat and potatoes um, as far as things we could talk about. So here we are. Well, look who has a big giant plastic head. <laughs> anyway, no, but um, no. And so, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, it's going to be like the weird spinal tap or something. And it's like, I don't know. I guess we'll do it. And then, <laughs> and then I started watching it. And from like minute one, I'm like, I am in. I am yeah. ready for this. Uh, because the the songs that, that John was trying to come up with are so fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. They're bad. They're very bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so it's like, but they're bad in kind of the way that like, um, don't take this exactly the way that I word this, but they're bad in the way that, uh, like the, the, um, uh, I don't know. The flight of the concords are kind of like bad, but, but really smart and funny. Yeah. Like they yeah. write bad songs, but they're, they're done so well that they're, that they are funny. That's how I was kind of listening to, especially the one about the, the lady in the red coat and the lady in the blue coat. And it's like, this is a flight of the Concords song. Totally. Totally. I mean, it's, it totally is. And it's like, but it's, but the, the, but because it's not fly to the concords and you can't hear anything else with it it's like this is shit <laughs> yeah well yeah the flight of the concords would take the the concept of trying to write a song 
off the cuff about anything into a funny song about about writing, writing off the cuff off yeah. the cuff right right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so no i'm i'm very very happy i mean it's it's very much this. the 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 hippopotamus in a way right exactly the, yeah who's steve when i freestyle i lose confidence <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah who's steve <laughs> yeah anyway. so I think this movie is a wonderful like examination of the creative process. Yeah. It, it makes a lot of statements like definitive statements about what it feels things are and they're all well-earned. Like when they say, you know, social media popularity sucks, it's a well-earned statement. Like you can't, you'd have to form an argument with examples to combat what this movie is trying to say which makes it a really good movie in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, and it's I don't think it's necessarily yeah. saying that social media popularity sucks, but social media popularity via a specific um, way sucks. Like just being a persona or just being the person who's there and sh- and, and giving you and exploiting something is, is a shitty way to become famous. Yeah, I guess there, are, there been, are a lot of people yeah. on social media who, who absolutely fucking earn their their popularity because they're bringing an amazing artistry to to a platform sure yeah uh, i was talking about just the example in sure this movie. sure sure, sure. Okay. yeah no and and to say that um and, and you but yeah there are i mean to kind of piggyback off of both of you on this is that there is a um there's definitely a large number of people who have become who have been able to make social media in particular YouTube, their jobs, and they do incredible amounts of money per video money per year. And what they do is kind of cynically exploit something that somebody else has done better. And it's, you know, there, there are people on YouTube who very poorly just read articles to their fans and comment shittily on that. And they are rich and it should be illegal in my opinion, Yeah, Yeah. because for anybody who actually tries to create something, who tries to do something, it's very frustrating when somebody who puts very little work and almost no reading skills into a six figure job, a six figure a year job. It's, it, it, it really makes you realize that um, it's stupid and it sucks. And those people are <laughs> awful. <laughs> um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, I didn't mean to let that get a little personal there, but anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, so I don't know. I think, I think we, did we do it? Have we done it? I think I did it. it. Yeah. Okay. I would recommend most people seeing that. I would even recommend this to my dad who has watched some of the movies that we've talked about. It is a little weirder, weirder than what dad typically watches, but I think he would appreciate some of the humor in it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I mean, he liked, uh, he liked spinal tap. So anyway, dad, check it out. On it's on Prime, just watching on Prime. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so next week, 
so we, we did a bunch of just, we had a bunch of ideas and we just drew them out of a hat. So um, next week. Yeah, now we, for something completely different, right? Well, yeah, sort of. Um, we have the 1978 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, um, directed by Philip Kaufman, who uh, was really, this was really kind of the beginning of a decade's worth of big time movies for him, at least critically. So one in particular is very big. Um, but yeah, so the uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, probably the undisputed king of those four versions of that movie. Um, I will talk about each one of the four. Jason asked me and I thought, well, if he's going to be so obsessed over Frank, I guess I can do my homework <laughs> on Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, but anyway, um, I like all of, well, I like three of them. The Invasion is not very good. Oh, yeah, that's not very good. It's just poopy. but um anyway but that's going to be next week um you can find that at uh, filmseizure.com or where you like to listen to podcasts we're in several podcast providers so just check that out also next week on monday uh i have monster mondays also on filmseizure.com all those same places that you can catch that show or our show here you can catch monster mondays um, this time it is werewolves within the incredibly fun 2021, the best damn video game movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Easily. It's up there for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, not, it's not just up. It's easily the best video game movie I've ever <laughs> seen. Those movies suck. Uh, but anyway, werewolves within a fun little horror comedy. Um, check that out. Um, also, I have my website, bmovieanima.com. This Friday is uh, this Friday's my birthday. Did you guys know that? Yesterday was Chuck's birthday. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me, too. And how am Happy I going to say, guys, how am I going to celebrate on bmovieanima.com by talking about a movie that has sex and Nazis in it? Tinto Brass's Black Angel is this week's feature. It's actually the best movie of the month. It's actually a really good movie. But it's it's essentially a European Nazi porno. <laughs> oh boy! Oh, um, that's, what, any, that's what you do. It's what you do. It's what I do. It's um, that's why I'm not famous because that's not that's not a likable subject that I just <laughs> wrote about there. Uh, anyway, so um, yeah, do that. Um, anyway, follow us Facebook and Twitter. You can stay up to date on all the stuff we do at Film Seizure. So. Until next week, when uh, some of us or all of us may be replaced by pod people, I am Jeff Arbuckle. I'm Chuck Moore. I'm Jason Oliver, and you have been listening to Film Seizure. <laughs>